Warning, spoilers ahead. You don't belong here. You're a fraud and a phony, and it's only a matter of time until they find you out. <gasps> Who told you? You did. You told me with the way you slump your shoulders, the, the way you talk into your chest, the way you smother yourself in bargain basement lime green polyester. I want you to say to yourself, I deserve this. I love it. I am nature's greatest miracle. Go ahead, say it. I, I Trust me, Homer. I, Take a step and say it. I deserve this. Louder. I deserve this. Shout it. I am nature's greatest miracle! I'll need three weeks vacation and moving expenses. You got it, buddy! Good evening and welcome to television. Whoa, hey, hello there. I'm Wayne Stellini and welcome to Fred Watch, where we view and review everything from the mainstream to the obscure. I'm by myself in the Fred Shed for this year's Pride Month special, but because you've decided to join me, I'm certainly not alone. You know, there are a slew of memes that are more than happy to tell us what the Simpsons have predicted over the years. And while I don't consider myself a conspiracy theorist, the impact of our favourite Springfieldians on popular culture cannot be denied. Indeed, you can reference just about anything in your life to a moment depicted on The Simpsons. The show itself has come under fire for its stereotypical depictions. There is no doubt that The Simpsons can be problematic, including its portrayal of queerness and queer culture. However, for this year's Pride Month, I thought it was time that an absolute classic was revisited and celebrated. So please join me as I watch the second episode from Season 2, Simpson and Delilah. Please explain. Unable to afford the latest miracle breakthrough for baldness, Homer, Dan Castellaneta, uses the Springfield Nuclear Power Plant's medical insurance plan to pay for it. Awakening the next day with a full head of hair, Homer gets Mr. Bones' attention and is promoted to an executive position. Along with more responsibility, Homer also gets a secretary named Kyle, Harvey Firestein, who proves to be indispensable to Homer's continuous success. But Mr. Bones's envious personal assistant, Waylon Smithers, Harry Shearer, has his suspicions about Homer and sets out to prove him as a fraud. Written by John Vitti and directed by Rich Moore, The Simpsons Season 2, Episode 2, Simpson and Delilah premiered in the United States on Thursday, the 18th of October 1990. It is available to stream on Disney Plus and can be viewed on the first disc of the DVD release. If you would like to watch this episode with me, I'll be watching it on DVD and pressing play in 3, 2, 1. So here we go. Season 2 of episode 2 titled Simpson and Delilah. The name of the episode is taken from the popular Bible story of Samson and Delilah. Samson being a very strong man who has these beautiful luscious locks and he's seduced and tricked by Delilah. And when she cuts his hair off, he then loses his power. So we'll see some parallels in terms of hair and power in this episode of The Simpsons. Significantly, the episode that actually follows this one is the very first Treehouse of Horror. If only they knew how popular that title would be in the show's very lengthy run.
<laughs> Great shout there from Homer. Quite different actually to what we're used to. Then again, consistency hasn't always been a strong point in The Simpsons. <laughs> it's half the fun, I think. Oh, here we go. TV dinners and there's Patty and Selma. <laughs> Watching a game show here and poor Homer isn't coming across too intelligent. So he's always just providing ammunition for Patty and Selma to insult him. He's just so lovable, isn't he? And here we go, planting the seed about how Homer feels about not having hair. Really excited to watch this commercial here. Even sacrificing some ice cream. Homer opens the medicine cabinet there and sees all of these uh, treatments for hair loss. Marge is trying to console him because she just thinks that he's beautiful the way he is. And he absolutely is. Of course, people don't really care as much, I think, these days, even though there are more treatments for hair loss. Here he is going through all of the treatment for the hair loss treatment. But it costs a thousand dollars. Can't afford that. I think it's also a commentary about healthcare. And yes, this is more cosmetic, but it does show that there is a disparity between those who can afford medical treatments, whether they're life-saving or cosmetic, and those who can't. And generally, when it comes to the haves and have-nots, especially in these earlier episodes, these earlier seasons, uh, the Simpsons always find themselves as the have-nots. And I think this is why they were always so relatable and why they touched a nerve with audiences. And here we go. We've got Lenny giving Homer the idea about how he can find a loophole to get this hair loss treatment. I love this attitude of um, of the guys here sticking it to the man. They're paying all of these fees, um, but they're not really getting much out of it. <laughs> and here we go, it's all under the table. Money talks, right? A lovely little, you know, oh, reference to shady dealings here. Homer hanging upside down and massaging his scalp, wearing his little nightcap there, and saying a prayer. <laughs> as well. It means so much to him because it's obviously affected his self-esteem. One thing I find though is that when people do start losing their hair, people around you tend to make more of a big deal of it than you do. Um, we do link, you know, appearance and self-esteem together so much. Um, it's not the um, easiest thing. But here we go. Homer's woken up with an absolute shaggy mane. 
and we'll see Homer's hairstyles go um, to reflect the decades as, as he goes on. But he's so excited, he even wishes people at a, at a funeral, at a burial, a good morning. Mind you, if there was a product that um, regrew hair this quickly, gosh, they'd make millions overnight, wouldn't they? It's actually quite sweet. It's actually quite sweet to see uh, Homer in such good spirits. So excited to go to the barbers. He doesn't even change out of his pajamas. <laughs> Is there holding a play dude <laughs> magazine in the barber shop? You can really get that these days. And of course, Patty and Silver are quite uh, cynical. And they're about to see him in the flesh. And of course, nothing can spoil his mood that he's even excited to see Patty and Selma. It's a bit of a fro there. <laughs> Patty and Selma drooling a little bit over home. And I do love that Patty, um, <laughs> who is a lesbian, um, is quite excited to see Homer's hair. A little turned on too. Interestingly, people don't notice quite off the bat that Homer has a full head of hair. Just something different about him. Which is really funny, considering just, you know, a few days before, they're making such a big deal over his baldness. Smithers recognises him straight away, but does notice that there is something different. As for Mr. Burns, who's just a young go-getter. And without interview, without discussion, automatically, based on his appearance, Homer is promoted. What on earth does he do with himself? So there'll be all the perks of a promotion, including a secretary. Him looking at a beautiful young lady and her resume, as he pronounces it, in a very hideous green suit, mind you. But I like that it kind of reflects Marge's green dress. He's got a picture of Marge on the desk as well. Meanwhile, all of these women who are interviewing for the job of secretary are trying to seduce him. And in comes a very husky sounding man. And this is Carl. And Carl sees something in Homer that no one else has ever seen. Perhaps with the exception of Marge. So originally the animators wanted Carl to look more like Harvey Firestein. But Harvey had said that, look, he doesn't look like the typical average gay man. So he had to be, you know, better looking, um, younger, had blonde hair, better taste in dress. All of these different things. So going towards a more stereotypical image of how we um, see gay men. And of course, Carl is never openly gay. The word gay is never said here. But there are enough cues and clues here um, to suggest that we have the Simpsons' first openly gay character. Without having to say that he's gay. Because why should that matter? don't necessarily have to announce your uh, identity everywhere you go. But I just always love how Carl is 
in absolute servitude to Homer. This is really loyal secretary. He really is the best man for the job. Homer changes his hairstyle again, a bit cleaner and slicked back. Makeover from Carl there. And he's also dressed quite nicely. And here we go. Carl really is the best, isn't he? Even organizing roses and a serenade for Marge. Interestingly, I don't know how he would have found this information out since Homer obviously has no idea when his anniversary is. Marge was forgiving, but he's definitely sealed the deal. A great gag there because, of course, we know who's on Homer's mind. He's got so much to be grateful for. And it hasn't been that long in terms of their working relationship. But Carly is making quite a big difference in Homer's life. <laughs> Homer always thinking with his stomach. <laughs> I love how cynical um, Smithers is. And rightly so, mind you, because, you know, Homer is connecting one thing to another that just absolutely does not make any sense. But even though he was nervous in front of Burns because Burns was... Um, shouting at him, he still delivered it with a sense of confidence. He backed it up. He uh, believed what he was saying, I guess. And there's something quite lovely about that. And of course, now there's sweeping reforms. But as Smithers points out, uh, accidents have gone down since Homer has been removed from that part of the business. <laughs> since he's gotten an office job, um, there are less accidents. Funny that, but let's, you know, put the credit on more tartar sauce in the cafeteria. <laughs> Smithers is jealous, and I guess for good reason, because Smithers is good at his job and works really hard, whereas Homer's now seemed to glide into this executive position and is supported very well by Carl, who is very protective of Homer as well. Executive now gets an executive key the executive toilet. <laughs> it's always quite nice to see how the other half live and work. <laughs> There's uh, Burns showing his age using an old-fashioned term for television and a hint that he is a Nazi sympathizer as well. A bit risky humour though. Wonderful close-up there on Smithers. Really angry that Homer is getting all of this praise. A gorgeous transition there from the bathroom tiles to the exterior of the building. And here we have Smithers investigating. Looking at the picture of Homer there before hair. And now sees the medical claim to um, the hair treatment. 
required to keep his brain from freezing, apparently. <laughs> Homer's definitely moved up in the world. There's a huge satellite dish on the roof of the house, and there's a more elaborate tree house for the kids to play in. Homer, once again, with a new hairstyle, this time very 80s looking with a ponytail in the back. Lisa, of course, doesn't really want anything materialistic until he suggests a pony. Wonderful nod there to Lisa's obsession with ponies. She'll get one down the track. Next day, Homer once again has his hairstyle cleaned up. Ponytail is gone. I love that they're showing the different fashion trends of hair through the eras as every scene goes by. And here we go, Bones has found out the truth about Homer. So he's quite angry now because he's been deceived, he's been lied to, he feels betrayed even. And we feel like there's going to be a conversation in which Homer is going to get fired. Homer needs to deliver a speech and he goes to Kyle for help. But there we go, Smithers has delivered that conversation. Short and bitter. But here's Carl to the rescue. Absolute stunning voice of Harvey Firestein. Smithers is still cynical, even though Carl's taking the blame. He pays the thousand dollars back to the plant and is fired. Amazing acting from Harvey Firestein there. His reasons are his own. Obviously, he's attracted to Homer. I don't think a lot of people have been this kind to Homer. Here they are, having a bit of a hug. And off Carl walks in the rain. Carl, always the dutiful secretary, will give Homer his umbrella and he'll just walk in the rain, a little sneeze there. But what's Homer going to do now? He doesn't have Carl to support him and he needs to make this speech. So Homer's going back to aesthetics. He's like, okay, well, you don't have Carl to help you to do this for you. But you've got hair. It was all about the hair. That's where the confidence came from. That's where the executive position came from. So Homer's again really enforcing his self-worth on the way he looks. And unsurprisingly, here comes Bart to sabotage everything for Homer. He has visions of having a beard because that will be really cool for a 10-year-old. And Homer's caught him, splashing the treatment on his face. <laughs> the dirty trick of I love you saves Bart from a strangling. <laughs> that last line, by the way, is not a scientific fact. Um, baldness is not hereditary, it's 50 50. <laughs> Poor Homer is just losing all of his self-worth here because he doesn't feel like he can go on if he doesn't have hair. But of course, you know, Carl's been trying to implement to him that it's all about you. No wonder this hair treatment 
um, is popular. It grows very quickly, but you lose it overnight as well. So you kind of have to keep on purchasing it. There he is with a bucket hat on trying to cover his baldness and Smoothers can do nothing but gloat and smoke because he knows that Homer really isn't up to the challenge. A reassuring letter from Carl. The speech has been done to help and support him one last time. <laughs> a wonderful gag there that Carl was actually reading it over his shoulder instead of a traditional voiceover. Here we go, Homer gets his lesson. And there we go. American television's first male-to-male kiss. Carl and Homer. And also gives him a bit of a pat on the bum as well. In Australia, the first male-to-male kiss or same-sex kiss was in 1972 on the ABC documentary series called Checkerboard. America wouldn't have its first male-to-male kiss, live-action one, until the season two, sorry, the season three finale of Dawson's Creek, which aired in the year 2000, ten years later. Here we go. Homer is delivering the speech that Carl had prepared for him, but no one wants to pay any attention to him because he doesn't have any hair. is now summoned to Mr. Burns' office. He's so disheveled and deflated. Smithers just loves it. There's Burns berating him. But the operative word is, I should fire you. Not that he will. It's another continuity error which with Burns' age. And here he's reminiscing about the time that he also had hair. Despite being about almost 50 years older in this episode than Homer, he actually has more hair than Homer. (laughs) And of course, because he can empathize with Homer, he does give him his job. Or lets him keep it, I should say. Original job back. He stays employed with the nuclear power plant. Homer feeling sorry for himself. But you know what? Marge won't hear any of it. She loves him regardless. And doesn't really care about what he looks like. Because he's always been a provider. He's always worked really hard. And whilst they haven't always had anything flashy and couldn't really afford to go all out, they've always had what they needed. And I think that's why Homer is such a sweet father. And husband too. 
sometimes hard to see that on the surface, the way that he behaves, or sometimes he seems so disengaged and disinterested with what Marge and the kids are doing. Uh, but gosh, deep down he loves them, doesn't he? And it's really sweet to have this moment of Marge embracing Homer and singing You Are So Beautiful to Me because it's something that he does absolutely need to hear. And Marge has always stated how much she's loved Homer just the way he is. And there it was, season two, episode two of The Simpsons, Simpson and Delilah. Such a wonderful episode there. A lot of fun to watch. As with so many of the early seasons of The Simpsons, so much heart and just wonderful humour too. Some clever popular culture references there and um, sophisticated gags as well as physical gags to continue that broad appeal. We had Harvey Firestein here as the special guest, one of the very first special guests who wasn't embarrassed to have his name credited in the show. Um, so that was lovely to see. He was more than happy to um, have his name there. And of course, that amazingly distinctive voice of Harvey Firestein. He really does make the episode work. I think it's just so perfectly cast. And I know that Carl was supposed to come back in a season 14 episode where he was um, to be a lot more open about his sexuality. But Harvey didn't quite like the script. You know, it was not really comparable to the episode that he had made. Simpsons still running, which is great to see, but I think everyone will agree that the quality of writing quite isn't the same, so not a surprise that Harvey didn't really want to come back to reprise his role. It would have been nice nonetheless, but you know what? Focusing on this episode, Simpson and Delilah, one of the classics, it's always listed as one of the top episodes of its season, if not of all time. So it's a very easy five out of five from me. I'd like to thank you for joining me on this Pride Month special. It's been a lot of fun revisiting this episode of The Simpsons. I haven't seen it in such a long time. It's significant in terms of queer representation because we had a confident gay man supporting our protagonist and allowing him to be confident within his own skin. As Carl says, you had it, you know, the tartar sauce, the executive bathroom key, all of these things, you did it, you had it within you. Very much a Wizard of Oz moment there. And I think that that interplay between Carl and Homer is just so beautifully balanced. They need one another. And I think that Homer gives to Carl more than he realizes because through Homer, Carl has this wonderful purpose. Um, we do have a bit of a scene there where Carl is having breakfast in bed and looks like he leads a life of luxury. He probably doesn't necessarily need this job. He's so good at it, he can find work anywhere. But, you know, as he describes himself as a servant to Homer, and he definitely gave Homer all of him, really. Not only just because he has a strong work ethic, but because there was an attraction there. The Simpsons will handle queerness in different ways throughout the run after this episode. And definitely in terms of Waylon Smithers, who is gay, closeted at this point of the series, tends to be used more just for slight gags and gay jokes. And I'm not saying that they're offensive or anything like that, but they do sometimes come across as just cheap laughs or easy laughs with, you know, nods to the camera and some innuendo. 
But Smithers is such a likable person. Not necessarily here. He does mellow as he goes along. And I think the more that we learn about him and how he himself has this devotion to Mr. Bones and the same sense of servitude to Mr. Bones that Carl had to Homer. I don't know if you want to read into that messaging there about gay men towards straight men and power play power positions. I don't want to go into that. This episode should be celebrated. American television's first male to male kiss and it happened on the simpsons and it was done out of pure love and friendship so thank you once again for joining me on this pride month special happy pride everyone until next time i've been Wayne stellini and you've just experienced fred watch cue music And same. Blooper reel. Indeed, you can reference just about anything in your life. However, for this year's Pride Month, I thought it was time that an absolute classic was revealed.